I want, from my point of view, then, to recognize the Deputy Auditor General. How's that? The Deputy Auditor General, Takani Ratsela. Why don't you get up and just show them some face? (laughs) Let me also extend a very warm welcome uh, to Funega Monjane. She'll be introduced later, but, you know, it's nice to just, you know, wave. Uh, Dr. Nono Mahutswa Matabate. Uh, Kim Meredith. And Gillian Howard. Of course, our, our host has introduced herself already, uh, our Dean of Economic and Financial Sciences, Professor Amanda Dempsey. Okay. There's no double-barrel surname there, I see. <laughs> and then also, a uh, warm welcome. I should, I have to acknowledge uh, uh, Dr. Sizeka Magwenshu Rensberg. Okay. <laughs> My better half. Warm welcome to you as well. Warm welcome to uh, council members, uh, members of the executive committee of the university, Executive deans and executive directors. You see where I started, right? I started with all of us, not with the ones who carry the offices, right, and the titles. Because today is not about offices that we hold or titles that we carry. And so my job, I'm told, is, is, is just to, to welcome you and to get away So I want to just uh, make one or two observations. Last year when we were together, um, I did feel the pressure in the room. And so one of the commitments that I made was that as we take forward the executive leadership program of the university, that that I commit that 60% of the participants would be women. So I can now tick that box and say, done, dust it, right? Uh, no, no, no applause. <laughs> so um, 60% of the participants of approximately 30 in the executive leadership program this year and going forward, um, certainly for this year, 60% were women. A very important executive development program that we um, partnered with Gibbs. Um, that focused on um, the requirements for global leadership, given that the university is is emerging um, into the top 3%, currently top 4%, but as it emerges into the top 3% of universities, as it consolidates its top 10 position on the continent of Africa, currently ranked 8th on the continent, And as we consolidate our ranking in BRICS, the Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa uh, economic bloc, where we ranked at number 61, uh, so comfortably in the top 100 of that economic bloc. So as as we gather ourselves and as we establish ourselves globally as a world class university, which we are today because of your outstanding leadership and contributions, 
to this university. And I'm not going to spend time, too much time reflecting on that except to say that the accomplishments of this university is because of your extraordinary contributions in your multiple, diverse, but united fashion. And so I simply want to pause there and to say that the university is what it is because of the woman that you are and the women that you are as well. So thank you very much for your contribution, your leadership. So the second commitment that I made was that we would establish a UJ men's movement. <laughs> and so we launched this men's movement earlier this year. We launched it with 100 young men and 30 young women. How's that? <laughs> the women were saying we're not going to be excluded from this men's movement. And the context for this men's movement was a deep concern on my part that we were not doing enough to engage critically in the socialization process of especially young men, but also other men at the University of Johannesburg. Young men, I'm referring to, of course, undergraduate and postgraduate students in particular. In fact, you may recall that I mentioned last year that one of the decisions that I took, that I imposed on the SRC, and um, I'm looking, I'm trying to find where is our SRC president. Ah, how are you? Why don't you get up, Nikki? <laughs> Why don't you get up? <laughs> um, so, Nikki Mboweni is the first woman president of the SRC at UJ. How's that? So, so, so Nikki and, uh, and your colleagues, I'm sure you're not very happy with this management imposed <laughs> decision that uh, there will be no bashes. And the reason why I took that decision, that there would be no bashes, is because there were some unfortunate incidents. Young men in the SRC lost control of themselves and who they were at the time. Um, so the bash, a particular bash, must end at 10 o'clock, and they cause a raucous, the SRC. Everything is shut down at 10, but they say, no, this must go until 2 a.m. But there was a more dramatic incident in which one young woman was raped after this event. And I took a decision that that's it. Until we've reached a point where I'm convinced, and I'm afraid you're going to have me for another five years. So until I'm convinced that there is adequate, substantive conversation amongst men at UJ about who they are, about the identity, and about this very topic of how they relate to young women, course, mature women as well. And therefore, I said, until this men's movement is established, and I don't feel it yet. So they've had three occasions. This this men's women, uh, sorry, this men's movement was launched uh, with Mike Mwandane, uh, giving them a real proper, 
you know, talk. Um, that was then followed uh, by conversation uh, with, uh, what is this young man's first name now? Cliff, the radio personality. Gareth Cliff. He also gave them a good talking to. Um, and then we, there were other events um, as well. But I don't feel them. You know when you feel something? When, when, when something has been done because it has to be done? Versus when something is done, you can feel it seeping into the institution. And you can see it, you can feel it, you can see the activities. So I simply mentioned that, that uh, technically we can tick the box, but I'm not convinced that we have a movement that is influencing the lives of these men at the university. And so with that, that leads me to, to make uh, one or two final observations in, in this respect that the new executive dean, the new mother of our students, she's not here today, um, that she's got a big job. In fact, I was hoping that she's here so I could get her to get up so you can ask her next year this time, what have we done? So, in the last three months, the university has made six executive appointments. Or shall I say, in the last, from January 1. Let's say from January 1. And I'm including our registrar who started as registrar on the 1st of January this year. So out of the last six appointments, five executives appointed are women. Okay. The executive management team of eight come the 1st of September will have four women. How's that? Out of eight, four women. So the registrar, the deputy vice chancellor strategic services, right? The deputy vice chancellor academic. These are powerful positions, eh? The executive or chief of staff in the office of the vice chancellor. These are powerful positions. But I'm sure, uh, Sakane, you'll probably be looking at the DVC finance and say, hey, we need some change there. <laughs> so I mentioned this because we have had the coincidence of destiny on the one hand that we are destined to fix this. There's no question about this. The matter of women in leadership in this university and beyond. Just for a moment, talk about this University of Johannesburg. The second area that we are challenged with, and now I'm directing my attention to the DVC academic. We've seen the headlines speak about the dearth of black professors. And so at UJ, we have approximately 20% black professors in the broad definition, of whom 12% are black African in the narrow definition. 
and I've made it clear that I'm looking for a game plan for the next five years so that by the time I'm out of here, there is direction. But of course, the, the issue also arises of women professors. So yes, primary task of us is to diversify the ethnic makeup of the professoriate at the universities of South Africa. I should say only two universities in South Africa have got more than 10% black African professors, and that is the University of Johannesburg and the University of KwaZulu-Natal. These are new universities. And so much, much remains to be done at our neighbor down the road and in Cape Town and in Pretoria. These are institutions that are older than 100 years. And so there's no excuse for an institution older than 100 years to have only 4% of its professoriate made up of black African South Africans. And I can assure you I made the submission as well at the Human Rights Commission last week. So um, I'm not saying anything out of the blue and out of the ordinary year. So I want to conclude. I've taken already too much of your time. Again by saying that it's a wonderful, wonderful day. I was reminded that we had the snow two years ago. And in anticipation of today, we had the earthquake <laughs> yesterday. And so I personally look forward to a conversation, our guest speaker, and a conversation of earthquake proportions this morning. Right? Um, and I say that because the topic that we have, the conversation that we have today, is a deeply challenging one. I'm not going to say anything about it. All I'm going to say, it is one that challenges all of us for today, you as women, at the core of your being. I don't want to say more. I don't want to say more, except to say that you lead, you administer, you support it at this university of 49,000 students. 60% who are first-generation university entrants. If you want to be more specific even, 46% of our first-year class are the first sibling in their family ever to come to a university. And so the responsibility that we hold together is immense. It is enormous. It is rewarding. Because as we engage in this work, we are transforming South Africa. The most, the best example, the best example is the chartered accounting profession. Because that profession is committed to a long-term diversity project. As we speak, UJ produces 27% of all black chartered accountants here in South Africa. And so I can go through others. And I can go through others. We don't have the time for that. I'm using simply because Amanda was here 
and Amanda was married here in December, <laughs> right? And Amanda is the Dean of Economic and Financial Sciences, and so she's responsible for the training of chartered accountants. Uh, so 27%, that's the, that's the reward. So the responsibility and the challenge comes with reward because 10 years down the line, they're going to have the corner office. 20 years down the line, they're going to be the chief executives. Can you imagine what that means for this university, for them as individuals and their families and their villages and communities that they come from, for the nation and for the world? So on that note, have a fantastic day. I'm sorry I've taken so much of your time. Have a fantastic day. Thank you.